Okay. Been banging around in the great big city. Fast money and the life will never show you no pity. Oh, I work hard trying to make my bones. But times have changed and I just got to move. Can't run away, can't run away, can't run. Good evening and welcome to Writer's Text to the Trade. I'm Dennis Griffin and for the next 30 minutes, tonight's co-host Eric Miller and I will be chatting with author Dara Whitaker. Dara is a graduate of the University of Virginia with a BA in Foreign Affairs and he holds two masters. Uh, Masters of Arts in Film and an MBA from the University of Texas. He has written five screenplays, one of which has been produced. His short stories were published in the Writer's Block 3, 4, and 5 anthologies, and he is an active member of the International Thriller Writers. He belongs to the Henderson Writers Group in Las Vegas, Nevada, and has served as conference coordinator on the Board of Directors. He lives in Las Vegas, where despite the myriad of temptations, he still finds time to write. Dara, I want to thank you for being on with us tonight. And I'd like to uh, start right off with asking you how you ever come up with the concept for your book, My Life as a Sperm. Uh, I know you started with thrillers, but uh, this book takes on notions of God and destiny in a way that's most unusual. And I've read it personally and find it to be hilarious. So could you fill us in on how you came up with the life of a sperm? Well, absolutely. And and good talking to you, Dennis. Um, yeah, I, I did start out writing thrillers. Uh, the first book was called The Santiago Agenda. Um, but um, I found as I was writing it that the humor kept creeping in. And after I finished it, uh, I tried starting an, another thriller, but just, you know, I couldn't get it going. Um, in the meantime, I wrote a few short stories. Uh, when, one which was the, the, my book, which was My Life as a Sperm. Um, I tried to, my second one, I tried to start another th- serious thriller, and, uh, but you know, one day it hit me, uh, I, I needed to go where the humor was. So I took a look again at uh, at my life as a sperm, and you know I just I didn't look back. I finished that novel, and I found it you know it was fun to write. Got to poke a few hornets' nests, and I I really liked the character of Buddy Price. But I guess to get back to your your question, um, uh, I I don't really remember the the how the general idea came to me. But I just know that one morning I woke up, it was there, I wrote it over, the short story over the weekend, and, um, you know, the rest evolved, as, as it happens to many writers. Well, that sounds great. So you were always anxious to put your butt in the chair and, and write every morning, huh? Uh, yes. You go through some, some, uh, some periods of time where it just isn't happening, but uh, sometimes it just flows, and that's when it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's right. Well, tonight we want to talk about your journey from concept to publication and kind of get into your thoughts about the difference in traditional publishing and self-publishing with the changing trends um, and as an author and board member of the Henderson Writers Group. 
I'm sure you considered the pros and cons. What what point at what point in the manuscript development did did you decide between traditional and self publication? Right. Um, well, so you know the author gets the idea. Uh, we work it out of an outline, or or we just freeform it. Everybody has their own methods. You develop your characters and the theme, and you go through your first draft, second draft, and so on. And uh, and then depending on how fast you're writing, you know, six months, a year, two years later, you have you know something that you're happy with, and you shop it out to your friends. Um, maybe get it professionally edited at that point, and then you have uh, pretty much a finished product. Um, at that point, there's really no difference between self-publishing and traditional publishing, um, except maybe the editing part. If you, like if you get a publisher, then you won't have to pay for the editing. But um, once you have that finished product, you start querying around. Uh, you go to conferences, and, and maybe you get a chance to pitch to some agents, which is always an experience. Um, can, I, can I throw in a shameless plug here for the Las Vegas Writers Conference right now? Yeah, definitely, because it's coming up next month. That's right. I mean, since I'm the conference coordinator this uh, this year again, um, I, I I think I'd probably get hanged if I didn't mention it. Uh, yeah, it's April 23rd through the 25th here in Las Vegas at Sam's Town. And uh, anybody that's interested in, in uh, getting more information, just go to www.lasvegaswritersconference.com. Okay. All right, so that's done. Um, so uh, the pitching and querying. Um, at this point, based on your success here, that's where the two options kind of diverge between indie and traditional publishing. Um, because if you get an agent from the querying um, or the pitching, then um, you can sell your book right to the publisher and you go the traditional route. Um, the, publish, the publisher takes care of the editing, uh, the packaging, promoting, and selling the book for the most part. Um, in return, you know you get the advance and a royalty on each book sold. Um, probably not as much, as, of course, if you did it yourself. Um, the advantage is that, and, and maybe it's not guaranteed, but hopefully you'll get more exposure than if you did it yourself, and that's all what it's all about. Um, even with the lower royalty, maybe you'll have higher sales and you can get more in the long run. And then, of course, they'll maybe pick you up, do your second and your third, and, and before you know it, you're Stephen King or <laughs> or Denny Griffin, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the way it's supposed to happen, right? A absolutely. Uh, what, what I'd like to ask you, Dara, uh, to stay in on this uh, the self-publishing versus traditional for for a minute, uh, mm -hmm. At one time, at least uh, my experience is that, that I'm going back several years now, there was a stigma about self-publishing. I remember hearing comments from people that, well, that that's a self-published book, therefore you really don't want to read it. I mean, just the people who hadn't read it would make that decision solely because it was self-published. Um, my, uh, my feeling is that over the years, that stigma has gone away to a great degree. Do you do you agree with me on that or no? Uh, absolutely, I, I definitely agree. And I and I remember the time when it was like that. I mean, it was definitely a stigma. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, the 
authors that are self-publishing are getting so much smarter about their writing and what they really have to do to create a good finished product. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of, of pro now, given that you do have quality product, I mean, that's obviously there's so many people out there that can publish a book now, and you're going to have a large percent that are still just not putting the effort to making a good product. But of those that do that are generally the ones you're going to have visibility to which is a good thing because then that does reinforce the fact that, you know, self-publishing is a viable alternative. Yeah, and Eric, what is what is your experience uh, in, in the self-publishing versus traditional? Do you do you see it the same way or do you have a different opinion? Um, no, I see it pretty much the same way. I mean, when I was working on on my uh last book, I um I shopped it around um, I had interest from agents from exactly doing what Dara suggested, going to uh, writers' conferences and stuff. I went to the Tony Hillerman conference down in Flagstaff or uh, uh, Tucson and uh, met a couple of New York agents that were interested, one in San Francisco. And I kind of went in, in that direction for a while. One of the agents ended up retiring and one of the other ones left their agency and went to another agency, and I was just kind of spinning around. Ended up getting picked up by an Australian publisher, actually. And, um, you know, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, a process that was sort of unfulfilling. Um, I didn't get that editing uh, that Dara that was talking about that you ex expect from even a, a mid-range publisher. I mean, this publisher had about 100 authors. Um, or I'm sorry, about 60 authors. And uh, so I left them, and I and I went the independent route. I took the book and uh, and went the independent route, and now have this and in developing the series. And you know, it's it's work, but it's the same thing. I mean, if you're relying on somebody else to do what you want them to do, and they, you're screwed as a writer. You're better off, <laughs> I think, like Dara is saying, the work is the same. I, I know so many people that are published with St. Martin's and Tor and and Simon and Schuster, and they're like, they've got to do their own book. They're you know they're paying for their hotel rooms at conferences and stuff. You know, the publisher isn't uh, always you know isn't always behind you a hundred percent, even when you're on the New York Times bestseller list. So you've got to hustle. The amount of work is the same. I think either way, there is absolutely right. Oh, there is so, uh, which leads me to a question, the old, uh, I, I call it the chicken and the egg question, but returning now to talk about my life as a sperm, you developed some very unique characters there. I, I know you wrote a short story and then you liked the humor and you, you expanded, um, but did you come up with the characters first, and I'm specifically thinking about Buddy, the agent, Mm -hmm. uh, or, or did you come up with the story and then develop the character? How did that come about? It uh, the um, I think the main character is really what came first. I had a certain idea of the kind of character I wanted to work with, and the basic theme of God and religion and the end of the world. And I kind of worked off of that. Um, and it, of course, it's all coming from um, Buddy's perspective which makes things that much more fun. Um, 
And I just wanted to use him to question people's concepts of these these really big themes of God and religion. And uh, I mean, like one of the things I brought up in the book was um, asking if if Jesus came back today, how how would people view him? Um, they, they there would be a huge question: Is this guy you know? Is this guy for real? I mean, they wouldn't. They wouldn't treat him the same way as maybe back in the biblical days um, that when Jesus came, uh, there would always be that doubt. And um, I, I kind of used that theme somewhat in in the book, uh, and I and I touched on other things that dealt with injustice like racism or discrimination, uh, trying not to hit people over the head with it. Which you know got to bring in the humor, um, but basically saying you know if you want to live a happy life, you know just can't we just get all get along? And then the other characters came in as as I was working working buddy. You know I had to have people that he played off of, and each one kind of represents some aspect of you know the the human frailty. Our Buddy, or well, our buddy, or any of the other characters, do they have a lot in them of people that you actually know or have met? Or are they strictly made up? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and qu- quite frankly, if they did, I would not admit to it. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that for an answer? That's pretty I, I like it. I like it. That's, that's a good one. Eric, uh, I, I, I'd like to ask you the same question about character development. Um, when when you're writing, do you tend to come up with characters first and then with a scenario and so forth? Or do you, do you have your storyline and then and then develop characters as you go? No, I'm a, I'm a character person, too. I, I, um, I, I got a book on, this, on my last series the series I'm working on now for Rent Dangerous Paradise, the first book was set in Venice Beach where I lived for 12 years. And I, and I got on this idea that if um, character can determine destiny and place determine character, because Venice Beach was such an odd place and I had lived there for a long time. I figured it kind of had an effect on me. And uh, so I made, I made the apartment building character in another but it was all it, it was everybody in the book is basically a shadow of people that I knew and other residents in the building so absolutely character driven um, that that brings up another question I have and I'd like to get answers from both of you on this um, some people are under the impression I believe that if you're doing a fiction there there's absolutely no research necessary. You wing the whole thing, and uh, you know you write whatever you want, and so on and so forth. And I uh, always like to tell this little story about it. Uh, several years ago, I had a TV interview with a local station back uh, in upstate New York, and I was talking with the host prior to the, the taping starting, and we were, of course, talking about books. And he was telling me about, a, and I won't mention the name, but an author he had followed for years who wrote uh, detective, uh, fictional detective stories. And 
he said that he was very excited about this author's new book that was coming out because it was based in New Orleans, and that's where this host had spent some time. He was familiar with the uh, with the area, and he told me that he opened uh, he got that book as soon as it was available. He read the first, I guess, it was maybe two chapters. He put the book down and never picked it up again, and at that point had never read any additional uh, works by this author. And I said, well, what, what in the world happened to turn you off like that? And he said that there was a surveillance scene in which the detective character was following the, the subject, and he had the... Uh, a, a, a turn or an incident take place at the intersection of these two streets. Uh, and I said, well, what about it? And he said, well, he said, the streets don't intersect. They run parallel. <laughs> that, one, that one thing so turned him off, uh, even though he knew it was fiction. So I was just wondering, I'd like to get maybe a start with you, Dara, is um, when you're writing a fiction, and if you're going to put locales in and so forth, do you feel that, that, that the author should be cognizant of doing it if, if he's not familiar with with the with the area or something to do some basic research to, uh, to have a rather realistic picture of where this is taking place. Yeah, these days it's uh, it's so much easier to do research because you've got the internet and can go online. You don't actually sometimes you really don't even have to uh, go visit the city. You've got you can Google Map and see if the streets run parallel or they intersect. But uh, in my case, there were um, several scenes in the book that dealt with uh, like a survivalist conference and some kind of religious uh, conference uh, combined. And I actually went down to the Cashman Center for uh, some kind of religious uh, um, conference uh, for one day just to get a feel for not only the, uh, the, the Cashman Center, but also the feel for the people that would show up to these kind of, of conferences. And, uh, and I was able to incorporate a lot of that, that feel into those particular scenes. And I think it's important that you do, uh, if you can't experience it yourself, that you read as much as you can to get the feel so it is it, it realistic and you don't have the people getting kicked out in the middle of your, your, um, your chapter, your story. <laughs> very, very good. Eric, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I agree. If you're going to write about a real place, you better get the details correct because the people that live in that city or the people that know that city or the, from that city are going to get mad if you get the details wrong. And like Derek said, there's no in today's age of uh, being able to, you know, library, map. Google Maps or the satellite, something. Um, but that's the benefit of creating your own city, too. Um, but then you have to have your uh, <clears throat> all that great, too. Yeah, that's some, some very good points. Uh, I'm wondering, Dara, if we could entice you to uh, perhaps reading some of, uh, some of your book tours. Yeah, twist my arm. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, what I'll do is I'll just read the uh, the very beginning, uh, the first uh, like a page or two of the very beginning. That way, there's really no setup, and and people are going to go in um, fresh, as you say. All right, so um, here we go. Chapter one. My name is Buddy Price, and I died twice yesterday. 
The nurse didn't react. Instead, she focused on switching my IV bag. How's that first line? Gotta hook them or you're toast. She tossed the old bag into a nearby trash can. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait until Stacy showed. At least she'd pay attention. The first time I died, I was gone for over two minutes. The nurse hung my new IV, wiped her hands on her uniform, and peered down at me over her granny glasses. You need to take it easy, Mr. Price. You're just lucky to be alive. I told you I saw God. Yes, you did. She patted my shoulder. Now get some rest. I tried again. He sent me back because I have a job to do. That's what you keep saying. Her rubber-soled clogs made an annoying squeak with each step toward the door. I'll check back in a little while. Not the least bit curious? Apparently she wasn't. She left me to ponder my continued existence in this antiseptic white hospital room, devoid of all sensory stimulation except for a bedside table, two bare wood chairs, and TV tucked in the corner near the ceiling. I switched it on with the remote, tried a few channels looking for something entertaining, and finally gave up. You'd think with the prices they charge, you'd get more than basic cable. Fortunately, a few minutes later, Stacy arrived. Oh my God, you look awful. That was the first thing out of her mouth. Not that it wasn't true. I'm sure I look like shit. Who doesn't get, who doesn't, after getting rammed by a Tahoe going 50? I got dressed up just for you. I shifted my leg, trying to reduce its dull throb. Come on, you're not dressed up at all. Stacy's a loyal assistant has been with me for the past five years, but she's not necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, cliche, but when it fits, it fits. Anyway, she tolerates me, which says a lot for her patience. I gotta like that about her. Ready, I said. She hung her oversized handbag on the back of one of the chairs. Are you sure you're feeling okay for this? I'm breathing, aren't I? Mr. Zimmerman told me to let you rest, she said, pulling out her notepad and pen. So you can't tell anyone. I winked. It'll be our little secret. She maneuvered the chair closer and sat. Okay, ready. My name is Buddy Price, and I died twice yesterday. The first time I died, it was for over two men. Hold on, she scribbled on her notepad. I need another pen. Yeah, 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 go ahead. I shifted my leg again. You know, Stace, 13 years I've worked in the industry, and that time I've gotten a bit of a reputation. My leg hadn't been broken in the accident, but I received a hell of a charley horse. Walking well, limping around early this morning had helped, so I pulled myself out of bed to try again while she fished inside her purse. She looked up from her search. Are you, are you sure you're okay doing that? Yeah, I'm fine, I said, dragging the IV stand with me toward the window. It's funny what you think about when you're lying on, in the back of an ambulance. I steadied myself with my free hand on the windowsill and turned, like the fact that no one really cares. No, she popped in a stick of gum. That's not true. A lot of people care. See any flowers in the room? It's early. No one knows what happened. Sure they do. I pointed toward the inquirer sitting on the edge of my bed. But we can talk about that later. Let me get back on track. Okay, I'm ready. She presented a new pen and blew a nice pink bubble in celebration. There we go. I got to I got to tell you I when I read that, uh, I was hooked and uh I I couldn't wait to get into more of it. So I uh I I thought that was a great opening. Uh Eric, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, where where is it set? Is it set here in Las Vegas? It is set in Los Angeles, and it eventually moves to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, it sound, yeah it's, a, it's a compelling opening. Well, I appreciate that. 
So um, where are we? Do, we? do you want to tell us a little bit more about the conference? What, what are some of the highlights of the conference this year? Well, um, as, as always, we have agents coming in, and uh, this time, actually, we're concentrating a lot on uh, editing and preparing your, your manuscript. Um, that's, I think, one of the most important things is, is and we do attract uh, uh, a lot of people that are um, eventually going to be self-publishing, so to have that kind of guidance and information on editing is really important. But like I said, we have agents and publishers that are coming that can be pitched to. We always have what we call our first page panels um, on Friday uh, at lunch and at dinner where the first pages of a, uh, a manuscript is read and a panel of agents uh, sit up there and listen to it and they raise their hand when it at the point when if they were reading it themselves, they would stop reading it and go to the next one. And then each discusses the reason why they would have stopped at that point. And of course, if uh, everybody goes through, then there's a general sense of elation by the author because <laughs> they've made it through. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so that's, uh, that's really the, the, um, the most important thing we're kind of focusing on this year is the preparation. Yeah. Yes, it's Thursday half day, all day Friday and Saturday, and on Saturday night we have a keynote speaker. Yeah. Great. And how many years is this that the conference has been going? It's been quite a few now, I believe. Isn't it? it is. I believe this is their uh, the twelfth year, and it's my wow. third year as conference coordinator. Wow. And give it give us the website again. It is www lasvegaswritersconference.com Okay. And Dara, while we're thinking about it so we don't get cut short here, I'd also appreciate if you could give any information you want about your website or where people can get your books and so forth. Thanks, uh, Denny. I appreciate that. Uh, Okay, so uh, I've got my website, which is uh, www.wdarawhitaker.com D-A-R-R-A-H W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R dot com. Uh, of course, on Facebook, I'm at W. Dara Whitaker, uh, or William Dara Whitaker. You could search on that. And my Twitter handle is at W. Dara Whitaker. Um, and of course, you can find the book on uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Just search for My Life as a Sperm. And on a very positive note, I did my uh, Kindle Free Days uh, today, starting today, Wednesday, lasting till Friday, and at this point, the last time I checked, I was number one in my genre. Wow! Congratulations. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it. So, hopefully, that will translate into something uh, really cool later on. Yes, well, it's great, great news there. Great news, and, and you know, on, on that note, um, in the last couple of minutes, I'd like to switch uh, a little bit to promotion uh you mentioned when when we were talking uh, at the start of the show about self publishing versus traditional and so forth that that promotion or exposure can be mm-hmm. one uh, advantage um with the traditional um, do you agree with me that uh authors now now i'm I'm not talking about your uh, new york times bestsellers but 
authors just starting out perhaps with their first book or a, a couple that haven't made it big time, um, that most publishers expect the author to do the lion's share of the promotion, that if, if you go into this as a, a new author thinking that you're going to be flown around the country to book signings and events and all expenses paid by your publisher, you may be in for dis- disappointment. Would you share that uh, feeling? Oh, absolutely. I, I think there the very few of those that uh, do get that kind of treatment, of course, they're the ones that are bringing in the big bucks for the publisher, and of course they're going to spend the money for that. But uh, that's the biggest challenge that anybody that is uh, self-publishing these days is that kind of visibility. Um, you've got a lot of people out there. There's a lot of noise in the market, and you have to have, figure out some way to differentiate yourself from everyone else uh, without spending a whole lot of money because a lot of people, obviously, you know, that are self-publishing aren't going to really have a huge budget to spend. Uh, but that's the challenge is, is getting that kind of visibility and you try a whole bunch of different things and you just keep working it and working it. You, that's when the work really starts. The writing is hard and then promoting and marketing it sometimes is even harder. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we're, we have about uh, a little, little less than five minutes left. Um, Denny, do you want to give us a little background on you and, and where we can find Yes, uh, thank you, Eric. I've been writing for uh, about 20 years now uh, with uh, with some success. I write primarily now true crime. I started out with mystery thrillers. And I have a um, website. It's www.dennis, N is in Norman Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N, dot B-I-Z. So it's www.dennisandgriffin.biz, and there's information about me there and my books and so forth. And um, please check it out if you get a chance. There you go. Good deal. And Eric, do you have any websites or information or anything about the writers group you'd like to put out? Um. Yeah my my website is ericjamesmiller.com. It's it's undergoing it's being renovated now it's it's a terrible website um eric james miller um and the for rent mystery series is the name of the series it's basically ghost hunting in real life situations so the sequel is going to is set here in las vegas with a cool um, um ghost story from 1907 as the backstory and I'm also the president of a local writers group here called um, Nevada <laughs> um, uh, Nevada Writers um, dot org um, Writers of Southern Nevada, and um, we are a new membership-based organization. We're putting together a package of marketing services with a local um, PR firm. We're putting together a uh, retreat, a writer's retreat, trying to do some things that some of the other writers groups in towns, you know, we don't want to duplicate anybody's effort. The Henderson group does a great um, conference every year. We have the Las Vegas Valley Book Festival in October, and and there's and then the Las Vegas writers group does a monthly um, meet and greet. 
So Writers of Southern Nevada is trying to fill in those cracks there with a uh, with marketing and, and a writer's retreat. And, you know, before we run out of time here, I'd like to just get a final comment from each of you about your thoughts of the importance of writers' groups to writers, uh, especially new writers who are just starting into the writing business, and and uh, what writers' group membership and writers' groups can do to help them. Uh, Dara, do you want to start? Yeah, it's tremendously important, I think. It tr- it provides a... a, a a really good support group. Uh, I started writing uh, a novel, my novel, my first novel, a couple of years before I came to Las Vegas, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then once I got to um, uh, Las Vegas and I found the Henderson Writers Group, uh, I started going there, and I've learned so much over the years that I've been uh, involved with that group that uh, it's made a significant difference in wh- how I write and, and my understanding of the business. So I, I put a huge uh, premium on on joining a uh, a writers group absolutely Eric yeah I agree I'm, I mean uh, writing is a solitary endeavor but you've, you've really got to work you've, you've got to have your social network around you to sit, to to be able to counterbalance all that alone time you need to spend in front of your computer screen and um, writers groups are a great way to meet and talk with other writers about the problems that, you know, and the, and the joy that we face every day. Hey, gentlemen, we're going to have to wrap it up right about here. Adara, I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight, and hopefully you'll come back in the future. Well, I appreciate the invitation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Denny. You're very welcome. And on behalf of Eric... And I, until next time, God bless and stay safe. Our next show is on April 8th, and Morgan St. James will be back. And she, Eric, and I will discuss tapping into your own experiences and emotions to give your characters life. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you on April 8th. Good night. Good night, everybody.